Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, uh, interestingly enough, oh, I, we kicked off the show. I always appointed honorary general manager. This morning, it was America's youth, uh, crazy, confused, and weak, I think I said. And uh, but part of that was based on what General Jack Keane said on Fox News the other day. But um, it's interesting. This uh, just came out from the Washington Times. The Army is shifting about a billion dollars, a billion, to recruiting programs. And will rely more heavily on reserves uh, units as its ranks dwindle and they struggle to attract new soldiers. They don't mention it, but new soldiers who can pass the tests and get into the armed services. And on that topic, uh, the retired general. The U.S. Army facing unprecedented challenges in recruiting new troops. It's only halfway to its goal for this year. The Army says this is the most challenging recruiting environment since the creation of the all-volunteer force. Uh, Let's bring in Fox News Senior Strategic Analyst General Jack Keane, former Vice Chief of Staff of the Army, now Chairman of the Institute for the Study of War. Obviously, General, these were issues that were uh, important to you in your former role in terms of how to build a strong fighting force at the right numbers. What do you think? Yeah, this is pretty challenging. We've had an all-volunteer force since the end of the Vietnam War in 1975, and we've had our ups and downs before with recruiting, but this one uh, is particularly significant. I mean, there's two real issues here. One is the eligibility pool itself, and that is those who are qualified to meet the requirements of of the United States military. That number is down to 23%. When I was on active duty, we were concerned when it was at 35%. So 75% plus of American youth are not qualified to be in its military. Why is that? One for moral reasons, and that's largely crime. If you committed a crime, we're just not going to take you. So, man, there's a couple things that stand out there to me. Um, what year did he say we went to the all-volunteer army? Uh, right when Vietnam ended. Did he say 75? I think he said that. I didn't realize it lasted no. that long. No, I th- he said seventy-five percent are not eligible. I think that number may have stuck in your mind. But I could, I could. It was roughly then. It was in the early-ish seven. Yeah, I thought it was earlier than seventy-five. But anyway, we can look that up. Somebody look that up when we go to the all-volunteer army. Uh, look that up, Alex. Um. Uh. So he's he's horrified that seventy-five percent of young people are not eligible to fight in the military, which is I do find horrifying. But it used to be two thirds. When he back when he was active, that's shocking to me. Also, mm-hmm. the vast majority of youth are not qualified either because of character or physically to to be in our military. That's wild. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll verify those numbers, but uh, he goes into more detail about what the issue is. Uh, by the way, before we move on, 1973. It's when okay. July first, 1973. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. The second issue is medical, and this has exploded. We have far too many people who have comorbidity issues at at such a young age. Largely obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, and other issues that disqualify them. And then the third thing, I refer to it as mental, but it's also academics, in the sense that we have far too many people, Martha, who can't pass the aptitude test to get inside the United States military. That is an indictment in my judgment 
judgment of our secondary high school education system. Right. Because the major reason they can't pass the test is they can't read at the proper level. And obviously that's very challenging to have somebody like that in the military. Also, we want high school diploma uh, graduates uh, as well. So that number, that pool has gone down. And then inside the pool, this has nothing to do with who wants to come, who doesn't want to come. This is just who's eligible. And then inside the pool, the desire to enlist is going down inside that pool. And as to one of those reasons is certainly the economy itself. There's very low unemployment. And when that when that takes place, the military is also challenged. And I think the Army's got to just do a comprehensive study and what they can do to incentivize young people to join. You know, occasionally I find the general, when he's talking about military matters, uh, to be a little gung-ho and, and uh, ideological and that sort of thing. But I really enjoyed those clips because they were very businesslike and a guy who knows exactly what he's talking about. I'm not saying I, I dislike uh, General Keene, but, you know, he's kind of got that let's go rough and ready thing. There's a lot there. So... I'm guessing, I don't know, you can text us or email us if you know. I'm guessing that aptitude test to get into the Army ain't that hard. No, I've I've known some absolutely brilliant people who've served in our military, and I've known some people who were not terribly bright who got in. Um, so, yeah, I agree. Boy, so you got 75% who just, I mean, they're either too sick, too crazy, they're criminals, they're too fat. I wonder how many people get eliminated. They can't read? How many people get eliminated because they don't pass a whiz quiz? Because I, I just know employers struggle with that mm. and uh, and think it's an outdated, disqualifying mark. But, yeah. Well, um, and you remember that poll we uh, talked about uh, a number of weeks ago, the percentage of young people who think the country is worth defending. Oh, yeah. I was going to. At was, all. Yeah, I was going to get into that. So then you, he, he went economics on why so many young people aren't interested in joining the military. I didn't think he'd go there. I thought he would go the direction of. Our schools are designed to con- convince you you live in a bad country. Who wants to sign up to lay down their life for a bad country that's making the world worse, like your uh, your social studies teacher told you? And was based on racism from the very beginning, a country that only exists to perpetuate racism. You're gonna- that's what your kids are being taught in public schools. Yeah, I don't think that's uh, like talk radio right-wing hyperbole. If no. you're being told in school that you're, the country... <laughs> You live in is bad and always has been. Why would you sign up to to fight to preserve that? It doesn't even make sense. You know, you've pointed out many times, I think this is a completely unprecedented experiment in running a society. A a, a society that preaches self-loathing to its young. Yeah. Has any country ever in the history of the world... Decided, you know, what we're going to teach our young people that we're bad. We're bad. We're from the from the root. We're bad. Yeah. <laughs> what? Who does that? And we're going to teach racial essentialism on top of that. So you know, if you're not d- d- embittered by the idea that your people are evil, then at least you can double down on certain people are evil based on their color of their skin, and that's progressives. So that's its own very interesting topic that we certainly talk about a lot. But then just the. <laughs> Fat, lazy, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. One of my favorite quotes from all time from the movie Animal House. But mm. is that what we got going on? <laughs> Are we just just fat, lazy, stupid young people? I mean, that seems well, pretty harsh. 
I'd like to see some sort of chart or graph or something showing how many people are eliminated for which reasons. Right. And and how many, I mean, how many of the criminals are too fat? And how many <laughs> of the the stupid are also on drugs? That would or, be you unfortunate know, that's a, that all our in-shape people are criminals and all our uh, uh, high moral smart people are too fat. <laughs> yeah, that would be unfortunate. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. Exactly. Wow. Wow. That's a challenge. 75% of our young, they can't even apply. They shouldn't bother. Wow. So I, I very nearly joined the Marine Corps when I was in high school. I took the bunch of tests and filled up the paperwork and had the recruiter in the living room and all that sort of stuff. Um, and uh, a bunch of people in my uh, high school did join the military. If you'd have told me at that time that 75% of the dudes, it was almost entirely dudes that joined the military then anyway, uh, 75% of the guys in, in this class don't qualify. I thought, no, that's not true. There's no way that's true. I don't know if there'd have been two people that didn't qualify. I don't think it probably was true. Or any with anything close to it, even two-thirds, which was the figure back in the yeah, day. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that is so interesting. You, well, you got to graduate high school. The graduation rates for high school are shockingly low. We should look those up, just because whenever any any time we talk about them, and it's always amazing to me. I mean, you'd think it'd be easier if you if you're listening right now and you have you know a kid that's obviously going to graduate high school, decent chance they go to college. You look at how hard it seems to be to get ahead in the world, to like to get a decent job, get an apartment, you know, get get started and everything like that. You'd think it'd be easier when you find out that a lot of places half the people don't even graduate high school. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the military will accept a, a substance like a GED, yeah, high well, school they uh, diploma or equivalent. Should. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, people, uh, a, a, ch- a chunk of people, and man, that's a family structure thing. Don't not only don't care about graduating high school. One of the smartest people I know in my life didn't graduate high school, um, so that's not you know a, a, an indication necessarily of something. But the, then, then the not even interested in filling out the paperwork for the GED, that's eh, probably an indication of something. Yeah, well, well, you know. It, uh, it's a truism to the point of being a cliche, but soft times make for weak people. Weak people make for hard times. Uh, here's hard a- times make for strong people. Strong people make for easy times, soft times, good times. Here's the question. Ain't we lucky we got them? Good times. That's a really old reference. What percentage of Chinese youth would be eligible for the military. Higher than 25%, I'm guessing. I would, I would guess so, yeah. I'm guessing yeah. by a Oh, lot. you know what? I knew I had something I wanted to throw in. Uh, there is a move afoot, and I can't remember how far it's gotten or how seriously it's being discussed, to have a couple of different sets of requirements for military service. Because if you're a computer whiz, yeah. I don't care whether you can lift 100 pounds over your head. I don't care if you can lift a coffee cup up. As long as you're good at, at coding sure. and, and hacking yeah. or whatever we need you to do, uh, the Brainiac core. Yeah. And I the, believe the insignia will be a big brain, a big throbbing brain. I think that makes complete sense. Sure. As uh, we, there was somebody involved, somebody we talked to personally or something like that, who's, who was who a computer sort of person. And, and had to learn how to shoot a gun and everything like that. Oh, and yeah. said, man, by the time the enemy gets to me being able to shoot a gun, we've got really big problems. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that, yeah. 
You've lost right, so already. <laughs> you got a 105-pound female who's exceptionally adept at one skill or another. Yeah, she can serve far behind uh, the lines or on the home front or whatever. And at the point she's hurling grenades, we're screwed anyway. <laughs> right. Hurling so grenades. make it a different classification or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Sure, depression. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So yesterday, I saw this headline: The FCC commissioner wants Apple and Google to remove TikTok from their app stores because it's a Chinese firm that steals your data and is spying on people. Remember, the FBI announced that no no government employee should have TikTok on their phone and suggested that uh, most Americans shouldn't. But everybody does. I don't because of the warnings, and I'm such a, a hawk on China that I have not put TikTok on my phone. But I think I'm going to change that this week as I'm just starting to realize that's where it's happening. That's where that's where all the cool people are, and that's where all the cool stuff is. <laughs> and I came across this yesterday. TikTok is now bigger than Google when it comes to searches along the lines of, hey, I'm in, they use this example, I'm in Boston on vacation uh, you want you want to search on what's a cool bar in Boston? More people do TikTok now than do Google. I had Be- no idea. I didn't that. know that either. But um, that's a pretty big deal to surpass Google on any kind of search, and um, it makes sense. So for restaurants or stuff like that now, because you go and there's a whole bunch of videos. You know, there's a whole bunch of people sitting in the restaurant. Hey, look around here. This is fantastic. Blah 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 blah. You know, get that with just your regular Google search. And and people uh, just like TikTok better. It's got a better, which is weird because it's the Chinese spying on you, has got a better um, feel to people than Google does. Google has mm. become evil in more people's minds than TikTok. Well, which obviously, is, the, the, the way China gets to where they want to be in terms of what I'm beginning, I just clicked in my head. China wants to install a kill switch on virtually every aspect of America. From our economy to our electric grid to our vehicles, I've got a story on that. And to do that, they have to get inroads into every aspect of American life. But to do that successfully, yeah, they've designed a great app. So how up are you on TikTok? Just you know, kind of. Uh, Alex, you use TikTok every day. Yes, I do. So my uh, all I know about TikTok is I, it, it, I used to think it was a whole bunch of tiny short videos. Do they have longer videos on there? Uh, recently, they have an update where you can uh, upload a video up to three minutes long. Oh, okay. Okay, so it's not just all 20-second stuff, because in my mind, that's what it was. And I thought, mm. why don't I want a bunch of 20-second videos, you know, a cat playing the piano or... And it's such a wide swath of information. You can have the dancing videos. I follow a lot of cooking uh, TikTokers, so they do recipes, um, bartenders. Hmm. And what's unique about that platform from from just like YouTube or, or, or someplace else is... I think it's because they cultivate uh, recommendations for you on a what they call the For You page. So I watch a lot of cooking and sports videos. Those are all right there, and it's just one swipe away. Where on YouTube or Google, I have to type into it, and there might be a two- to three-minute ad before they play the video. Where oh. this, there's no ads. Well, there are mm. ads, but you can just swipe right past them. I might get into the TikTok today. I'll bet there's stuff on there I would freaking love. Well, I'm glad that they no longer limit it to 20 seconds because the cat would get halfway through the melody and the video would end. You never get That's to the terrible. Never get to the course. <laughs> At a conference last week in Colorado, the Google SVP re- revealed to his Google people that almost 40% of young people, when they're looking for a place for lunch, they don't go to Google Maps or search anymore. They go to TikTok or Instagram. That's just just in general looking for a place for lunch, let alone reviews. 
I didn't know either one of them, TikTok or Instagram, was searchable. <laughs> no, so exactly. I mean, I realize I sound like a really old man. Um, I hate to get left that far behind of what everybody's doing, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that I've never even used that platform before. And I feel like that's happening with uh, with TikTok right now. Well, it's a bad look. Plus, if I'm looking for a good restaurant, I want to end up at a good restaurant. So if it's a better option, I'd like to be aware of it. Yeah. Like, Alex, like, I like, uh, I watch a lot of YouTube videos with guitar lessons. You're guessing there's a lot of that on TikTok. Oh, probably. there's a lot. I follow a lot of those too. There's a lot of great yeah. guys who dive into music history, yeah, different chord progressions. I'm missing out. Uh, also mm-hmm. in this same article, though, from a group called The Hustle. Dun, 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 dun. Do the hustle. Dun, 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 um, speaking of being an old guy. Okay, boomer. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's two of those more in a single hour of the show, Michael. Watch yourself. More scrutiny is probably needed. TikTok's parent company is Chinese, recently obtained audio recordings, confirmed that Chinese management effectively have unfettered access to U.S. user data if you have TikTok on your phone. Sure. Don't trust China. Sun Tzu told us, Jack, know your enemy. That's what they're trying to do. Despite this, users are spending more time on TikTok than Instagram and Facebook combined, or 91 minutes per day for the average U.S. young person. More than on, what did I say? Facebook and Instagram combined on TikTok. 91 minutes a day? Did you say? Yes. Jeez Louise. Yeah, so TikTok is the thing. And I'm not on it. I got to get on it today. My kid uh, got rid of it just because she said it's too addictive. I'm wasting too much time. This is terrible. Mm. Uh, never mind the commies lurking in the closet. Armstrong and Getty. Let's talk about critical dishonesty theory more. Not just uh, not just Christian nationalism, but all the ways they try to shut us up and lie to us and censor us and avoid the truth. America is now in a recession. We've got inflation and recession. That's usually called stagflation. We, a recession has been defined for as long as I can remember as two quarters of negative growth in the GDP. I think it was Thursday. The second quarter was announced. We had something like 0.09% uh, uh, negative growth. The New York, let's, let's find out what the press is saying about this. The New York Times, a former newspaper. Gross domestic product fell Uh, In the second quarter, after a decline in the first, fueling fears that a recession may have already begun. I mean, that is the definition of a recession. So a recession has begun, but they say it's fueling fears. CNN says mortgage rates fall as recession fears grow. We're afraid there's a recession, but there's not. It's not, you know, just because it's defined, the definition of a recession has been fulfilled, that doesn't make it a recession. Other places are saying it's a technical, it's a technical recession, not a a recession recession. It's a technical recession. My favorite is the Atlantic Monthly. Is this a recession? Wrong question. You You can't even ask. You can't even ask. So what happened? What happened? What happened is that suddenly the White House has put out the word that the definition of recession has changed. Why? Because we're in a recession and they're in power. That's why it's changed. And the press, like the lying scum they are, just falls in line. Except, of course, for our friend Peter Ducey. We love him. He went to the White House, asked uh, White House lie person, uh, Catherine Jean-Pierre, you know, here's the definition of recession. How come it's not a recession? Here's the exchange. If things are going so great, though, then why is it the White House officials are trying to redefine recession? No, we're not redefining recession. If we all understand a recession to be two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth in a row, and then you have White House officials come up here to say, no, 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 that's not what a recession is. It's something else. How is that not redefining recession? Because that's not the definition. 
That is not the definition. Brian Peace said in 2008, of course, economists have a technical definition, which is of a recession, which is two consecutive quarters of negative growth. I can tell and you this. He said mm -hmm. two, two negative quarters of GDP growth is not the technical definition of a recession. It is what not. Changed? It is not. Why did he say that it, it was? It is not. <laughs> it's just not, Peter. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Kareen, give us, give us some more answers. Tell us more, please. I don't have anything. I, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. I, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. I just don't have anything. I don't have anything. You don't have anything. I just don't have anything. Don't have anything. So I don't have anything. 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 I just don't have anything. I just don't have anything. I don't have anything. Again, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. I don't have anything. Don't have anything. I don't have anything. I just don't have anything. I don't have anything. I don't have anything. I don't have anything. I don't have anything. You know, when you don't have anything, you don't have anything. I told Matt Walsh that his next film should be called What is a, Rece <laughs> what is a Recession? And he can just have, instead of having transgender people throw him out for asking what is a woman, he can just have e e e economists uh, throwing him out the door. You have to, when you have to lie this much, I mean, redefining words, man, woman, recession, whatever, whatever is getting in your way, just redefine it out of existence is one way you can lie. But when you are this much of a failure, when you have a, this, this administration, I don't want to belittle 9-11, but this is the worst disaster to hit this country since 9-11. They are bad at everything. The crime rate, the people dying of murders, the economy, the, the people losing their, you know, their money becoming meaningless, the inflation it is just awful what's happening in this country. And it's all because they will not change their minds. I mean, they won't change their minds. We always compare the you know, presidents to Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter used to change his mind when he found out everything he believed was wrong. He would actually change his mind, not these guys. Obama set the tone, never say you're wrong because you're never wrong. It's all about these great ideas. So you have to lie this much. You have to come up with different ways of lying because you don't want to repeat yourself, all right? Another way of lying is simply just ignoring uh, all of the things that people want to hear about that are bothering people. An amazing, amazing Rasmussen poll came out uh, just this week. It's what are voters concerned about, right? The people who consume news, what are they concerned about? Number one, rising gas prices, 92% uh, concerned. Two, inflation, rising gas prices, inflation. Two, three, the economy, people very concerned, 89% concerned. Four, energy policy, 86% important. Five, violent crime, okay? That's the five things, the top five things that people are concerned about. Here are the things that the media, the legacy media, the corporate media are concerned about. One, climate, ch climate change. Two, the Ukraine war. Three, capital riot investigation. Four, COVID-19. Five, LGBTQ issues. The press is not covering the country the people live in. They're covering the country of their imagination. You know, it's like, it, it really is, you know, this is Dan Rather reporting from inside my own head. You know, <laughs> that's what it is. They're covering their own imaginations. None of those five things that the press is covering is in the top 10 of what people hear want to hear about. That's what the news is. The news is what people want to know about the country they're in. They want the things that are bothering you. That's the news. That's the definition of the news. So this is this the a form of misinformation, which is just simply silence. We're not doing it. We won't report it. We're just not going to cover it. It's just not there. You know what? What we care about is important. You're too stupid to know it's important just because you're the people. Eh, no, no, no. We went to better schools. We had, look at these ties. We had these wonderful ties and suits. What we care about is important. Well, what if you say, you know what? We do care about it and we're not going to listen to you anymore because we care about it. 
then they silence you, right? Then they go on and find you on social media and they silence you. Remember, they own the press. They own the press and they own social media. And social media has been collaborating with the government during COVID. They now, we now know that social media was on the phone to Google and all those places, basically telling them what they can and can't say. Now, our pals at uh, Media Research Center, you know I love Media Research Center. It's a great site. Newsbusters is a great site. They have a, a, an organization called censortrack.org. And they are studying censorship on social media and how it works. They've done a big study about this. And what they did was they took the cases of censorship where an opinion was silenced. And then, and because this is what Twitter and all the rest of them are doing, they counted the number of people who did not receive that news. Okay. Now, here's Tim Graham. I know Tim. He's a great guy. He's Tim Graham explaining how that works. They had a number. They had the number of uh instances of censorship, then they counted how many people were deprived of the news. Here's Tim. It's not just about the user. It's about the audience of this user or users who don't get this information or uh, this opinion. It adds up to 170 some million people being denied these things. Some of them are just opinions. So for obviously, for example, we've learned this over and over again. If you say there are two genders uh, or if you misgender somebody, uh, you get shut down. Uh, we're seeing it now with abortion. You you can't be pro-life without them trying to shut you down. Obviously, we've seen this for years with COVID when you tried to wonder about where the lab leak was. Um, so it, it really is one of these cases. It's not about what they call disinformation. It's about opinions and reporting that they don't like, as you suggested, certainly. The reporting on the Hunter Biden laptop yeah. right before the election. They just decided to shut it down. You know, and and this is, you know, some of us, if you're savvy enough to get beyond this stuff, maybe it doesn't affect you, but it has a big effect on people because it creates an atmosphere that you're alone. That's the whole idea of this, especially for young people. It's very powerful on young people. Young people are, of course, uh, more uh, attuned to social pressures. Uh, They're trying to find a place in the world, trying to find out who they are in the world, and the social pressures matter a lot. And if you feel that you're the only person who thinks, you know, a, a man can't become a woman, that just doesn't happen. Uh, if you're the only person who thinks that, well, maybe you want to be quiet. And I've noticed this. I was talking to Knowles about this earlier today, that when you go and give speeches, especially you're talking to young people and you say, look, you know, it's ridiculous. A man can't become a woman. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just insane. Uh, and, and in fact, in fact, when you take children, uh, <laughs> you know, you always hate to make these Nazi uh, comparisons because the left is always calling you a Nazi. If you believe in the constitution, I believe in the constitution. What are you, a Nazi? You know, but if, if the evil Nazi doctor, Joseph Mengele, went to Hitler and said, I've got this new idea, it's called gender-affirming uh, surgery, Hitler would have said, ah, no, no, that's just evil, evil. I'm not, I, I don't want to be, I want to be, kill millions of people, but we don't want to be evil, that's too evil. I mean, this is insane stuff. And yet, if you think you're the only person who is saying that, you get a little nervous when somebody comes and says it out loud. And this is really happening because of that kind of censorship. On top of changing the names for things so that every every discussion becomes meaningless, which is the point, uh, silencing, uh, not reporting on the stories that people are concerned about because they damn you because you're doing a bad job, and then um, basically silencing anybody who tries to get the information out. On top of all of that stuff, they flood the zone with this uh, fake excitement about things that simply don't matter. 
the January 6th committee. You know, I don't talk about much about the January 6th committee, except to say that I'm not talking about it. And the reason I'm not talking about it, as I've said a million times now, if, if Trump has no defense, if the people who acted on January 6th, even though you know I didn't, I thought that was really bad, if they have no defense, there's no information coming out. You are not there. You're not getting information if nobody can defend you. If you're on trial for murder and only the prosecution gets to speak, that's not a trial. I would not report on that trial. I would not say this is legitimate information. If you can't cross-examine witnesses, if there's nobody there to present the other side of the story, no. You do, there's no but after that sentence. You just don't report it. It's not real. Scott Adams had a good tweet uh, where he was saying what, what we've learned from the January 6th committee. He says, one, Trump attempted a planned insurrection. Two, Okay, loosely planned. Three, okay, not planned, but he encouraged it. Four, okay, he didn't encourage it, but he didn't try to stop it. Five, okay, he did try to stop the violence, but he should have done more and sooner. You know, that's basically what we're getting from this, and it's like just people trying to cover their butts and all this stuff. So you think, well, then what is this? What is this? It's a show. It is a show. How do we know it's a show? Listen to the way the media talks about it. This is from a montage from Grabian, cut three. What we are expecting tonight from the January 6th investigation is something that's been described as a season finale. Not show finale, but a season finale. There may be more seasons. There may be bonus episodes. The way that I've been talking about this hearing is that it's more the season finale than the series finale for the committee. The season finale, as it were, of their blockbuster hearings. In primetime, a season finale of sorts. Thursday's primetime finale, so to speak. Does this feel to you like the series finale or the season finale for the January 6th committee? <laughs> That's such a good way to put it. We thought this was the season finale. Everybody's like, come back for more. There is hunger. There is new information. These are incendiary revel- revelations. Even the things we thought we knew, we're, we're learning it's a multidimensional scandal, right? Shape the narrative, you know, the end of season one, as you're effectively doing in a way that lets us know there may still be more to come and, and move towards mm-hmm. that in the season two, if necessary. You think these weasels are working for the Democrats? You think maybe somebody's put out a notice? I love my favorite one was the line. What an interesting way to put it. <laughs> Everybody's saying exactly the same thing. You bet they're in line. All right. So there's flooding the zone. They're telling, oh, this is so important. If you're missing this, you're missing. It's it's better than, you know, Chicago PD. It's This is the season finale of something so exciting. And of course, and I believe this is never going to happen. They're pushing for the prosecution of Donald Trump because what is a banana republic if you can't put the last president in jail? So Lester Holt interviews corrupt attorney general, uh, the corrupt attorney, that's actually now a new f- term. They, they used to be the attorney general, Merrick Garland, uh, but now we just call him the CAG, the corrupt attorney general, uh, Merrick Garland. And this is what he asks him. You said in no uncertain terms the other day that no one is above the law. That said, um, the indictment of a former president, of a perhaps candidate for president, would arguably tear the country apart. Is that your concern as you make your decision down the road here? Do you have to think about things like that? Look, we pursue justice without fear or favor. We intend to hold everyone, anyone who was criminally responsible for the events surrounding January 6th or any attempt to interfere with the lawful transfer of power from one administration to another, accountable. That's what we do. But what does Holt not ask him about? Because that's how the, that's how the press works, is what they don't cover. He doesn't ask him about Hunter Biden. There's information now from Hunter Biden's laptop that uh, Joe Biden, the big guy, did know, did discuss his business with him, was aware of the kind of corrupt stuff he was doing. 
And, you know, think about that. There's now also information. This comes from uh, Catherine Herridge, a good uh, investigative reporter now at CBS, formerly at Fox, uh, who has a letter from Senator Chuck Grassley to the FBI director, Christopher Wray, saying, my office has received a significant number of protected communications from highly creditable whistleblowers. The information provided to my office involves concerns about the FBI's receipt and use of derogatory information relating to Hunter Biden and the FBI's false portrayal of acquired evidence as disinformation. They're making it hard to get the information and making it almost impossible for anybody to investigate the information. Some of the people involved, some of the agents involved with spreading the Russia collusion hoax against Trump are involved in this, apparently. And they're high. They're basically the FBI is basically bearing information against the president's son. Remember, 51 former um, intelligence officers, including former CIA directors or acting directors, John Brennan, Leon Panetta, General Michael Hayden and John McLaughlin said during the election that this was Russian uh, misinformation, which it obviously now we know it was not. That's a huge story. The FBI is covering it up. The uh, former intelligence agents are covering it up. This is a huge story. Hunter Biden's corruption, which involves China, involves Ukraine, uh, involves the interests of the United States of America and the interests of Joe Biden. And he knew about it, it's apparently. He knew about some of it, at least. All of it's been covered up by our intelligence and our FBI people and the press, and this is the thing that's so different from the America of the 80s, 90s, even up to 2000, that the press would never have covered up a story, no matter how much they were in the can for a candidate or a party. A story like this is too big to cover up, not anymore. We are living in an empire of lies. We're living in an empire of lies, and these guys are gaslighting the lot of us and then wondering why we don't believe a word they say. You need more content like this, so like and subscribe and subscribe to the Andrew Clavin Podcast.